Hey everybody, this is Carissa Keister from Stillwater Area Public Schools, home of the ponies, and you are listening to Pony Voices. On this show, we celebrate the amazing people of Stillwater Schools and give you an insider's view of what is happening across our district. Not only is our mascot unique, so are our stories. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and settle in for our latest episode. Today we're getting to know our brand new superintendent, Mike Funk. Not only does Dr. Funk come to us with his own song lyrics, he also brings nearly 20 years of experience as a superintendent and administrator, most recently in the Albert Lee School District. He was named Superintendent of the Year in 2022 and has had a very successful military career, serving more than 30 years in the Army National Guard and retiring at the rank of Colonel. And maybe most impressive of all, he's raised three daughters along with his wife of 26 years. We'll get to know all about Mike's background, hear his thoughts on the future of Stillwater Schools, and even learn a few secrets about him from his family. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stick around. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Funk, for joining us today on our very first podcast. Wow, this is awesome. Thanks for doing this, Carissa. Yes, of course. Well, this was your idea. I think this was a directive <laughs> when you first started here that we were doing a podcast. Yeah, so. but it's awesome we're actually doing one, so that's uh, <laughs> even better yet. Well, we're excited to have you here. Um, as you heard on our opening, we did pick a funky song to get going with. I'm sure you have heard that often. Is that the main song uh, you hear? We or? want the funk, uptown funk, funky town. Um, yeah, there's been a few over my career that I've heard. Do you have a favorite? Um Probably Funky Town. Funky Town? Yeah, probably the oldest, so yeah. <laughs> Good to know. We'll remember that for next time. <laughs> uh, beyond memorable theme songs, what else do you want the people in our community to remember about you as you start here in Stillwater Schools? Well, I think the school district has had a um, not a significant amount of turbulence over the last number of years um, at the higher end levels of the district. And um, I just want people to know that uh, having a lot of experience as a principal and, uh, and 17 years experience as a superintendent, um, that I have seen a lot of things in my career. And Stillwater is a really uh, unique place. It's a very proud community. And I want to come in here and get it right. And so, um, and I want to be here to the end of my career. So I think that the thing I'm really focusing on my first year is a sense of stability for the district and just really try to get a feel for where we are at and what the needs and uh, values of the community are and then working with the community, uh, develop a plan to make this the, uh, the best district it could possibly be. Love that. So you have moved into the district. You talked about wanting to be a part of the community, and here you are. Yeah, I think that's very important as a, as a community leader. Um, I know a lot, number of administrators in the state of Minnesota who do not live in their school districts. And uh, since I've been a principal, we have always moved into the, uh, into the district where I live um, or where I work. And um, so I, I just think to really understand it and, and be a fabric of the community, uh, you got to live there. So that's been not an easy thing for uh, for my wife and kids so much, uh, moving around, but uh, it's, um, 
it's it's part of what part of what we do with the position. What's your welcome been like as you've come into the community? Oh, it's awesome. I think it's the first time I've been in a parade since I uh, have uh, been a superintendent, so that was pretty cool. Um, no, it's been real positive. I, I think that um, I've heard time and again people are glad I'm here. Uh, I think they're looking forward to some stability, and I'm, I'm looking forward to providing that with uh, you know the, the background that I have. So you've been here for a few months now. You're starting to get to know the community, but there's still a lot of people here who don't know you. So what would you tell them kind of about your background or your career up to this point? I graduated from St. John's uh, many years ago with a degree in government or political science. And while I was in school, I really liked working with students. I was a coach, coached my little brother's baseball team. And, you know, I decided what I wanted to do, go career in politics, go to law school, and I talked to somebody, and they said, do what you like, and I, I like working with kids. So then I went back to St. Thomas, and I got my teaching degree. And at the same time, I was a uh, ROTC scholarship recipient at St. John's. And um, so when I graduated from St. John's, I joined the Minnesota Guard. And as my career progressed in the Guard, I was leading larger organizations and I thought, you know what, I can do this in schools as well. So I went back to school, became a principal, eventually became a superintendent, and started to make an impact on, on larger organizations. And then on the Army side of things, uh, I've deployed overseas twice to the former Balkans, and I've seen um, some tough situations where people um, had ethnic uh, hatred from hundreds of years ago that, uh, that we've worked through, and you really, you know, understanding their values and where they're coming from and trying to get them to see each other's point of view. Um, those are all very great life experiences as a, as a superintendent um, when you're working on tough issues um, like we've seen in the last few years in today's world. You've been on a battlefield. You've led school board meetings that sometimes feel like a battlefield. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are common elements of these different jobs, and maybe where are some differences, and what have you learned from these different experiences? I, I think that one thing that I've learned, regardless of where I've been at in what capacity, is relationships matter. Um, you know, if you, if you can develop the relationship, it helps you get a feel for where the other people are coming from, and they can get a feel for where you're coming from. So I think that's really important. As a leader, um, I found that you have to have a vision, and you have to be able to know what you want. Um, and and part of that also that I've, I've discovered over time is you have to be able to focus on what's important. And there's a lot of people who maybe have some vision, they don't know necessarily focus on the right areas on how to get there. So I, I think it's important to, to have that long-term view, but then, all right, what are the important factors that we need to look at to improve the lives of our students, our staff, soldiers that, uh, that we're leading, whatever it may be. And so um, I think that's really a, a key piece of that. So in addition to being an educator and a um, soldier, you've also, you're a husband and a father. So tell me a little bit about your family. Well, I'm married to St. Anne over here, who's sitting across the table from me. Um, 
you know, we've been married almost 27 years now. It'll be 27 years in December. And um, Anne has, um, you know, she didn't sign up to to be the, uh, what I would call the Army wife. You know, in, in your active duty Army, you move every three years, basically, around the United States. And we haven't done that around the United States, but we've moved fairly often um, as, uh, as an administrator. Um, and uh, with that, um, you have to go in, you meet new people, and there's some challenges there. And then, um, in the meantime, you're raising three girls, um, and... You know, we were talking a little bit before we started here today, um, you know, twice during the early years of my daughter's lives, um, I was deployed. I was gone for once for seven months, once for almost a year, and um, kind of left Anne to, uh, um, you know, parent as a single parent for a while. So um, she's had uh, to do some challenging things, and yet here we are in Stillwater uh, almost 27 years later. So Let's um, dig a little bit deeper. So I'm curious what you think Anne would say is your best quality. Oh, are, are we going to play the dating game here? Or <laughs> what? Um, my best quality? From a, from a father perspective, I suppose, caring. Um, driven. I don't know if that's a good quality or not. but uh, um, And then the ability to do a million different things at once. Uh, so I think those are kind of three things that uh, I think. So we'll see. We could see what she says. We'll see what she says bit. too. This one might be easier. What do you think you do that drives her crazy? I play with my fingers and and tap the table. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you talked a little bit about your being caring as a dad, but what do you think is your maybe your proudest dad moment? Mm. I have a lot of them. But I'll tell you, the coolest dad moment probably of them all is when uh, my daughter, Katie, who uh, she got to give the senior class speech. I don't know what you call it. Um, She spoke for the senior class when she graduated from high school. So that was pretty cool on being up on stage with her. And then I have to follow her with a speech of myself, myself. And so getting stood up by your daughter or, or uh, who did a better speech than I did, I think that was pretty cool. That is very cool. I bet that was really interesting being the superintendent in the district where your kids were going to school. Um, I'll ask, maybe we'll even bring Katie in on this here in yeah. just a few minutes, but I think um, it would be really interesting just to hear the perspective on what it is to be a dad or what it is to be the kid in, in the same district. It's double-edged. Okay, it's kind of cool because your dad's a superintendent and you get to hand him, he gets to hand you your diploma. But when there's tough decisions to be made and they're not popular decisions, um, sometimes the kids can feel the pain of that. Um, and she could probably tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, I think we will welcome Anne and Katie to the discussion today. Katie, why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, one of the things that we talked about before we even started was about joint snow days. And as superintendent, he decides whether or not um, schools cancel and there's a lot of snow. 
and there'd be a lot of students who would text me and my sister the night before, like days before it was going to snow, and they would ask us if school's going to be canceled, and we would never know because he hadn't made up his mind, the weather hadn't happened yet, and people would take it so personally that they're like, oh, I asked you this, why didn't you tell me that school was going to be canceled or not, or why didn't you tell your dad to do this? I was like, I have no control over any of this, I'm just his daughter, I don't make decisions, and that's just a kind of a funny example, but then when they were more um, serious things that were being decided in the school, they thought that through us, they could kind of influence what our dad was doing. And that, and that didn't work? Case. No. <laughs> um, Anne, how about you? Why don't you tell me a little bit about what it's like to live with the superintendent of the school district? Um, he He's just like a regular person, just like, I mean, he... Um, I mean, just he's in charge of the school, yes, but he's he's a father, and he he really cares about you know through our daughters living through you know their school years. He really cares about what goes on in you know their lives and the, the lives of the other students as well. So I mean, yes, he is in charge of the the organization, but he really cares about each individual student each individual teacher, I mean, and being a teacher himself, he really empathizes with what they're going through. So I think sometimes when you look at the person who's in charge of the organization, you might forget that they were once maybe in your shoes as a parent, you know, as a student, as a teacher. And so he, he has been through all those things himself. So I think he can empathize with where you know people are, what they're coming, the things that they have to go through day to day. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thinking back, um, what kind of dad was he for you as you're growing? You're you're a little bit older now. You're in college, but what was it like growing up with Mike as your dad? He's kind of a funny person because he is all he's very he loves to work and so he's always working and he'll kind of be sitting there and will he has three daughters and we're very close with our mom and so we'll be like joking around with our mom and then he'll kind of like we don't really think he's listening to us and also he'll have like a funny comment and interject and we're like oh you are listening to our random conversation about like shopping or what's on tv and there's kind of things like that he always wants to know what we're up to and then he's always there for you and through just seeing how hard he worked our entire lives, it kind of instilled in me and my sisters the value of like always working hard and kind of being the best person that you can be. And he, one of the things that I remember him telling me when I was younger was be the leader that you want to see people, or want the leader that you want to see. And I see him doing that all the time. And I remember him just kind of acting out the way that he wanted others to emulate. And now when I'm growing up and now when I am in the workforce and doing things like that. That's kind of the memory that always sticks with me. It's like, be that good person, be the role model, be that example. What about you, um, having watched him with the daughters, what um, what stands out to you as you think about those times? Mm, he always wants, he always wants what's best for our children, but he won't, like, for instance, in school-related things, you know, our, our kids will come home and they'll say, well, it's not fair because such and such. He's very level-headed. He'll he'll listen to, you know, what they their problems or things, but he won't automatically, like, take their side. He, he listens and he says, well, maybe you should go back and talk to the teacher, talk to the coach to find a way to resolve it. You know, it's not always the parents that need to jump in and try to fix the problem. He's helped our our daughters try to fix things for themselves. I mean, if 
if they can't resolve it, then you know we're always there. But to try to, um, Mike has he's the best multitasker he can come up if there's a problem he has solutions I mean there's always some kind of solution for every problem that comes up so our daughters have really um, they they can really um, fix things on their own because of you know following their dad's footsteps that way so you talk about him being a great multitasker Mm -hmm. I'd asked the question earlier what is his best quality that would have been, I would have said either empath, you know, he's really empathetic or good at multitasking. Um, we always joke because he'll be on his phone or his iPad or something, and you think he's not paying attention, but he, he can listen to what you're saying, what, like if there's a discussion going on, he can listen, and he can also be like typing an email, or you know he can be doing multiple things at the t- at a time. And with empathy, he since he's had so many positions in his you know his career, he can really understand and empathize with what the teachers are going through, what the you know the administrators are going through. Um, so those would have been the two that I would have chosen, multitasking and empathy for his strongest qualities. And what drives you crazy? Oh, my gosh. Um, the worst is almost over. Oh, gosh. He used to say that the worst is almost over when he was deployed. And it's just like, you know, things, issues and problems were just stacking up. The worst is almost over. And that was good the first time. And then when he got to play it again, I'm like, okay. So that was like a saying that he would say to me, and that that would drive me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all you can think of in 26, almost 27 years. That's not bad. No, there aren't that many things. So that is is good. She talks about getting me a tombstone that says the worst is over. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. That does seem fitting. Mm So just a couple quick popcorn questions here. Either of you can answer. Um, is Mike a morning person or more of a night owl? Oh, my gosh. A morning. <laughs> Let me answer this. So my sisters and I, we don't go to bed before, like, 11 p.m. midnight, which in the grand scheme of things is not that late. But our entire lives, like, they stopped putting us to bed when we were probably, like, 8 or 9 years old because he goes to bed at 9 p.m. every single night. And we know we're not allowed to, like, text or call unless it's an emergency after 9 p.m. because he is in bed and, like, cannot be woken up. Like, he needs to be in bed by 9 p.m. And then he wakes up at, like, 5 or 6 every morning. <laughs> we also have, uh, like, on our entire house, there are Alexas that control the lights. And so when I lived at home, I would sit and I would talk to my mom in their room at night. And if he wanted to go to bed and he wanted us to leave the room, he would say, Alexa, bedroom lights off. And that was like our cue to leave the room. And so if we would be annoyed at him, we're like, well, we're not done talking. I would just say, Alexa, bedroom lights on. And I'd be like, well, now we're here to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike has always been, well, since I've known him, he's always been if at nine o'clock. That's when you go to sleep. Even when we were dating, I was living in St. Cloud and he lived in Rochester Back in the, those days, I didn't have a cell phone. I would have the answering machine, and I'd get home, and there'd be the light flashing. And he would, he like right before nine o'clock, oh, I'm really tired. I'm going to sleep, you know. And I, I've been waiting to talk to him all day, and I rush home, and now I see that light, and oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> so you hit a hot button there, I think. I think so. I think I did. I mean, now it's not. We, you know, we've been together so long; it's not a big issue. But I just remember back then, you know. 
he was going to sleep at nine o'clock and it doesn't matter if you have something to talk about, you know, some big issue. Nine o'clock is bedtime. Alexa lights out. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so we know then that he is more of a morning person. Mm-hmm. What is the one thing you have to keep stocked in your cupboards or he's just going to lose his mind if he doesn't have this particular item? He likes chips, like the those crispy kettle chips, um, like jalapeno or just plain ones. Steak. Steak. He, he loves, loves steak. steak. Oh, and he loves Cheetos. Oh, and bacon. He, he loves, loves bacon. bacon. <laughs> what else might we be surprised to know about? That he he seems he seems like a really tough guy. <laughs> I mean, whenever. I, we haven't really lived here long enough for that to kind of be what people are thinking of him here. But in Albert Lee, a lot of people were thinking he was like a military type guy and everything. But he's really, he has a soft, soft center. And he gets emotional sometimes when he, sometimes like when watching horse races, he gets really, dog shows, dog shows yeah. or horse races, he gets really emotional. And might be a little tear or two coming down. We we do have two dogs, Australian shepherds, and we've since we've been together, we've always had dogs, and so he loves that that dog, Westminster dog show. His first dog when we were together was a beagle, Spunk, and spunk that funk. Spunk Funk. He couldn't <laughs> wait to have his own dog to name it Spunk Funk. And that year, when I was supposed to tape the dog show, a beagle won best in show. And so that's still a sore, you know, sore spot to this day. I can actually attest. I've only known Mike for a couple months, and I've already heard that story. So oh, it is see? definitely a sore spot. <laughs> see? <laughs> well, this has been fun. I'd love to mm-hmm. just keep talking with you, but I do have a couple more questions for Mike. So we're going to transition now back to uh, some serious questions. Okay. Um, because you are, you're new here, and people are always wondering, kind of what's your vision for the future of Stillwater? I believe this since I've been a superintendent. Expect the best. Um, we want the best experience for our students. We want the best experience for our staff. And we want the best for our wider community. And the only way we get there is by working together. And so um, really high expectations um, and a strong belief in we can be the best. Um, and it's hard work, but that's really what I, I believe at my core. You've said that you're going to be here for six to ten years, that this yep. is where you're going to end your career. What do you want to be remembered for here in Stillwater? Um, four words. Funk did his job. Because basically there's no news from Stillwater and the Pioneer Press anymore because it's a calm district and we're, all, we're doing the right things. And so um, I want to be remembered for somebody who understands the value of relationships um, who can bring the community together and, um, you know, provide the best um, for all of us in the community. It's time to wrap up this first edition of Pony Voices. I've had a really great time talking with Mike and Katie and Anne and learning a little bit more about the Funk family. Dr. Funk, thank you so much for taking time to be here and also Katie and Anne for coming in and sharing some fun stories with us. And a big thank you to our listeners. I hope you have enjoyed getting to know our new superintendent. If you see him around town, please feel free to say hello. You can also reach out to Dr. Funk at funkm at stillwaterschools.org. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Pony Voices, please share it with your friends and neighbors. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. Until next time, go ponies! S-E-I-O-H-2-O!